Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, it's an honor to be back with you in more ways than one. Praise God. And uh, it's always a privilege and an honor to serve the Lord in his kingdom and especially in line of the ministry. It's become a special prayer of mine and a thanksgiving to the Lord that all these years I have been able to uh, serve the Lord, amen, and uh, got the Holy Ghost when I was 11 years old, and uh, haven't regretted it, it gets better and better all the time, even in the bad times, and it's been said millions of times, but you know it as well as I do, the song tells the truth, amen, that uh, the, the good times outweigh all the bad times. And um, I appreciate the invitation to be in this pulpit today. And um, I trust that I have found the mind of God for this service. I realize it is an adult class. And um, I, uh, I almost requested, Brother Grant, that the young people be in here. Praise God. But uh, that's, that's fine. You'll understand perhaps as I get into the teaching today. And just in case you weren't here last Sunday, I, I try to keep myself toned down a little bit for the sake of trying to recover from five bypasses and open heart surgery. And, uh, but I do feel that <clears throat> there is something the Lord would say to us today. And you never know who is in any service and we find in the Word of God that if the Lord would pull Philip out of a red-hot revival and take him out in the middle of the wilderness, the desert, to just preach to one man, amen, God, uh, he, he's concerned about us, amen. He loves us. He knows right where we're at. And I, I firmly believe, I've seen it happen too many times, God will orchestrate a service sometime for just one person. Amen. Now, it blesses us all. Amen. And we all glean from it, but sometimes God will literally seemingly zero in on one person. Now, I'm not saying that I know who that is today. I'm just telling you I feel like the Lord has impressed me uh, to talk to you about something that may seem just a little different, and uh, it is a Bible lesson. In fact, the next session I'll probably do somewhat the same. And let me explain to you, I have found myself using much more Scripture today in my preaching and teaching than I have in the past, and this transpired some time ago, and I'll tell you how it came about. I, uh, I preached in a place, and there was one of the elders that I loved very dearly. Actually, he was one of my instructors in Bible college, and he was on up in age, and I felt a little intimidated and yet honored to be preaching and teaching and uh, him sitting in the audience, amen, but a great man of God and he's still a living, but I used quite a few scriptures in that message and had the word of the Lord read quite a bit and he came up to me and he made a statement and he just was sharing his appreciation for the message, and he said, and Brother Royer, he said, don't quit using the word of the Lord. 
He said, we got too many of our preachers today that read one scripture and then try to preach an hour from it. And people hear less of the word of the Lord and more of what the preacher's saying. Praise God. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but it, it did me. Amen. And so, with that in mind, amen, we'll just kick off here today. Brother Grant, thank you so much for the opportunity, the privilege, and the honor to be with you folks. Hopefully, we can spend a little more time with them after services today than we did last Sunday. Judges 12 and 7. Amen. Judges 12 and 7. Amen. While you're turning there and he's putting it on the screen, thank you for standing. Amen. I'll just tell you my message. And, and again, I don't know who this is to yet. The Lord may show me before we're through. Amen. But I want to say don't let present circumstances even hinder you from letting God give you your destiny. Amen. Let me just say it again. We as human beings, sometimes we let present circumstances occupy our mind. But I'm here to tell somebody today, don't let whatever circumstances you're in hinder your faith that God knows right where you're at and he'll bring you out. Praise God. And if I could just say it this way, there are better days ahead. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Judges 12 and 7. And Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then died Jephthah the Gileadite and was buried in one of the cities of Gilead. Amen. <clears throat> and then in verse 32 of chapter 11, it's kind of backing up, but I want to I want to bring that to you, Judges 11 and 32. So Jephthah passed over <clears throat> unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from Aurora, even till thou, <clears throat> thou come to Menith, even twenty cities under the plain of the vineyards with a great, very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Let me <clears throat> just see if uh, I could pick somebody's brain here for just a moment. Uh, what, what do you know about Jephthah? What is the normal thing, the common thing that is remembered about the name Jephthah? Amen. And uh, you may not want to answer that out loud, but uh, <clears throat> it's it's not a it's not a Bible character that we really hear preached about a lot. And yet, I firmly believe that every story, every circumstance that we read in this book, there's a lesson for us. There's something there that God preserved. Amen. If we can just bring it out and understand what God is wanting to say to us through that lesson. He said, he said, everything in here are examples. That's the New Testament. Amen. But he said, he's talking about the Old Testament. He said, they're all examples for us and for our learning. Amen. And so <clears throat> when we look at Jeff's the, the day, amen, uh, and I'll just answer it for you in your own mind. Amen. The common 
memory that most of us have about Jephthah is that he made a vow to God. Amen. And many have termed it a foolish vow. Some felt like it was a vow that he should not have made. Amen. And uh, among <clears throat> the students, amen, and people who study the Word of God and men who write commentaries, there is uh, an ongoing debate even all these years of just whether or not Jephthah carried out his vow. Amen. And uh, some say, well, they don't think he, he actually offered her as a burnt sacrifice, and they defend that with the fact that in Deuteronomy, I think it's 22, the Lord forbade that. Amen. And he would have had to disobey a direct order from God in order to do that. And then they say what they do feel is that he uh, did not allow her to marry, and she gave her her entire life to the tabernacle or the temple of God, amen, and she served God without marriage. And uh, I'm not here to decide which one of them's right, amen, and, but those that try to defend that, they say that's why she spent two months bewailing her virginity on the mountain because, and the Jews actually teach that, and they, they teach it from this standpoint that not only was it forbidden of God, but the reason that <clears throat> it was such a, uh, a horrible vow was <clears throat> because every Jew knew that there was a Messiah promised, and every family wanted the Messiah to come through their family. And they felt like the reason that this was that she had to go bewail her virginity, she was an only child, amen, and uh, he had no more children, and his only hope for the Messiah to come through his lineage would be her, amen, and that's why it was so. And again, not here to try to answer that question, but there is an ongoing debate, always has been. We discussed it in Bible college, and people still discuss it, amen, because it's one of those things the Lord just kind of left us in the dark on, and I guess supposedly we can make up our own mind. But I want to look at Jephthah from a different standpoint, not his vow, that he made, although there's a lot perhaps to be learned there. One thing I'll just point out, amen, is her willingness. And what a beautiful spirit she had, amen, that she complied with whatever, amen, he did, amen. And, uh, but as we examine the man named Jephthah, amen, I want to try to help somebody uh, overcome their circumstances today. And I know in a, an adult class, Amen. And some of the folks that's been living for God for years, you might say, well, that, that may not fit me. But on the other hand, amen, you can live for God for 50 years and all of a sudden find yourself in some circumstances that you, you kind of wonder about, God, what in this world is going on? Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> but let me just say up front, don't allow circumstances to hinder your walk with God. Amen. I don't care what it is. Amen. I could tell you some, some, some valleys I walked through. Amen. I'm not going to bore you with that here today. But too often, amen, <clears throat> if I can just say it this way, circumstances, uh, we, we allow them to have too much power in our life. Amen. Praise God. Think about that just a moment. They, 
they, they become that that we think about when we get up and we're still thinking about it when we go to bed. Amen. The circumstances that surround us or the circumstances or the valley that we find ourselves walking through. Amen. And then as a pastor of multiple years, many years and 54 years in the ministry, I've got to confess to you, I have seen people who allowed circumstances to cause them to just literally quit church, quit God, walk away from God, and just give up, as we say, and throw in the towel. Amen. And that does not have to happen. Now, let me move on. Judges 11 and 1. Amen. And uh, let's, let's read that. That's where he's first introduced to us. Now, Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, and he was, and I want you to notice this, the son of an harlot. Amen. And Gilead begat Jephthah. Amen. Let's, let's just stop and, and realize what we just read. Amen. Two things here that I want you to notice. The Bible called him a, a mighty man of valor. And when you study that in Scripture of other men, you find out they were men of war. Amen. And most of the time they were leaders, captains, amen, that led other men, that caused other men to be willing to follow them. And they won battles. And when I studied this particular man's life and got all I could find on history, it appears that he was that. Amen. And uh, perhaps we'll... Uh, look at that a little further down. But uh, another thing I want you to notice is that he was the son of an harlot. Amen. And uh, we don't know the story. Sometimes the Bible gives us a lot of details. Sometimes it don't. Amen. And as I said, sometimes we just have to kind of imagine or base it upon other things that we read in the Word of the Lord uh, to kind of come to a conclusion of what might have happened. But undoubtedly, somewhere along the line, amen, there was a woman involved, amen, in uh, Gilead's life uh, besides his wife, amen. And yet he, he had a son or she bore him a son. But the Scripture plainly bears out, amen, that he was the son of an harlot. Now let's look at that just a moment. Just in the debate, there's an ongoing debate about that. Amen. Some feel like that his mother was just one of Gilead's concubines, and others, they, they feel like that she was just an Ishmaelite of the land where they were dwelling. Others uh, even feel like that uh, they just literally term her as just a Gentile. She wasn't a Jew. But I just want to say this. The Bible says he was the son of an harlot. Amen. And that's what we need to focus on here today. He was the son of a harlot. Amen. Jephthah. Amen. The son of a harlot. Think of the circumstances that was upon his life when he began to realize how he came into this world. Amen. And, and uh, you know, it's possible that when he was young, somebody kept it from him. Amen. But the thing that I think all of us realize and know is that a harlot in that day seemed to be quite prevalent. They seemed to be everywhere in the Old Testament. And, uh, and for a, a, a son to be born of, a, of, a, of a, uh, an adulterous or fornicative 
uh, situation was not really thought well of. Amen. And in his time, amen, it was looked down upon quite extensively, as we'll see before we're through here today. Amen. We don't know who even gave him his name. Amen. Who gave Jephthah his name? Uh, it's interesting to me, though, sometimes when I look at the names of different people, because as I know most of you are aware that that uh, a lot of times parents named children uh, based upon what they hoped they could be or what they thought they could be or the circumstances of their life. Amen. And uh, at the time that they bore the child. But <clears throat> Jephthah, if you look up the original uh, Hebrew meaning, it just means God will open. Amen. God will open. And we don't know. We could add the door. We could add the way. We could we could say, just, just remember that, though. God will open. Amen. What did it mean to this young man as he was growing up, uh, knowing and coming to the knowledge that he was the son of a harlot? Amen. And uh, if, you, if you go back to Deuteronomy, uh, you'll find out not only did God forbid, amen, the, the sacrifice and burnt offerings of children, amen, but if you study Deuteronomy, you'll find that there was also a law about men like Jephthah. He could not go into the house of God, amen. He was not allowed, and let's just bring it into today's uh, language and today's lifestyle, he was not allowed to go to church, amen. He couldn't darken the doors of the sanctuary of God, hallelujah. And, and if, if indeed, amen, that was still in force at the time of Jephthah, amen, ten generations from him couldn't, amen, ten generations weren't allowed. Now, the reason I'm just bearing that out, I want you to see the circumstances that he lived in, amen. Think about what must have went on in his heart and mind. When he began to realize, uh, if I could just say it this way, I was cheated. Amen. I, I didn't get a chance. Amen. And with that, that in mind, what kind of an attitude might he have had? Amen. Now, <clears throat> the reason I ask that question is I want you to see this. I have witnessed, Brother Grant. Amen. And you... you Maybe this is why I'm teaching this in adult class. I hope not. I hope this is just a little part of the added part of the lesson. But uh, I have had to witness in my years of pastoring parents and sometimes even grandparents that talk to their children in a way, amen, and uh, in a negative manner. Now, discipline and the right kind of talk it has its place. But I have witnessed, Sister Grant, people who just – uh, for some reason, they, they, they would just plainly and boldly say, you sorry, you ain't going to be worth nothing. Amen. You're good for nothing. Amen. And maybe it would be a stepchild. And they would just say things that, that you know, impregnated the mind of that child until I've actually witnessed children just say, and they get this attitude, well, that's what everybody says I am. I just will be one. Amen. That's what they think of me. I just will go ahead and be that. And they lose hope 
of ever being anything else because that's what everybody's telling them they're going to be or that your life's going to wind up this way or you're going to wind up in prison. Amen. And uh, I may have mentioned this in another message that I preached here somewhere in the last 25 or so years. Uh, but I tried to help a man one time, and uh, he was an alcoholic. He drank every day of his life. His wife prayed through. Amen. And uh, children prayed through, and he rarely ever would come to church. But he'd wake me up at 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning drunk. Wanting God. Amen. And uh, I, I don't have time to go into all of the different stories, but uh, he, there, there was a part of him that would come alive after he got drunk. But once he got sober, he didn't want nothing to do with God. And uh, I, in my effort to help him, I, I set up some counseling sessions with him and began to meet with him every week. And after about six sessions, this is what he told me. He said, well, preacher. He said, my granddaddy was an alcoholic, and he beat his wife. My daddy was an alcoholic, and he beat his wife. And it's in my genes. I can't help it. I'm an alcoholic, and I beat my wife. Amen. The power of suggestion sometimes can be an awful thing. Amen. Hand up. And so I'm just uh, admonishing us today to be careful what we say. Amen. Two children or grandchildren or even children in the church. Amen. They may be mean as all get out right now, but give them hope. They don't have to stay that way. Praise God. They may have gotten themselves into some circumstances, but then sometime we find ourselves in circumstances that we really didn't have anything to do with. We're just the victim of circumstances. And that was Jephthah. And I've got to hurry on here. That clock's outrunning me today, but, but uh, let me just share with you that Society looked down upon him. Amen. In that day, there was no way he could have a good reputation. And not only society, but the word of the Lord says, let's read it, Judges 11, amen, verse 2, and Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Amen. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob, and there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. Now, I did a study on that vain men. It just meant men that they, had, they were down on luck in their life, but they were warriors, and they basically formed an army around Jephthah as far as what Jewish history reveals. Amen. But what I want you to notice is that society wasn't the only thing that looked down on him. When his brothers grew up and somewhere somebody let them know he wasn't really a true blood brother all the way and that he was the son of a harlot. They turned against him. And not only did they, and think about it, you know, what he must have heard, the, the, the accusations and, and the remarks that he had to live with. Circumstances wasn't the best in the world for Jephthah. And now his brethren say, we don't even want you to be around. I don't know how in the world it came to pass. I don't know how Gilead allowed it. Amen. But what we do find in the word of the Lord, that one day they got together and they literally ran him not only out of home, but out of country. Amen. He had to go to a different territory. Amen. And uh, live. And, and, uh, but yet, <laughs> there, there's something about Jephthah that I noticed some years ago that Somehow we never hear about. 
And I'll just go ahead and tell you because I've got to outrun this clock. But somewhere, amen, somewhere in all of that, Jephthah maintained some kind of relationship with God. In all of those horrible circumstances, and I'll show you why I'm saying that before I'm through, but I want you to think about that. He did not let his present circumstances, amen, stop his relationship and his knowledge about God. Somewhere he, he held on to that in the middle of all of those, you know, totally uh, ostracized from society, ostracized from his family, and here he is in a predicament of circumstances he cannot change, he can't do one thing about, but somewhere, if I can say it like the Bible said about Job, somewhere, Brother Grant, he kept his integrity. Praise God. <clears throat> never knowing what tomorrow holds, not having a future mapped out for him like some characters in the Word of God we see. Amen. The only thing that he might could have held on to was the meaning of his name. Amen. God will open. Praise God. Now, I don't know that that was what he held on to, but that's about the only thing I can find. But somewhere, somebody taught Jephthah about God. Somewhere he, he learned about Jehovah God. Somewhere he learned about how God worked. And somewhere, and I'll prove it to you before I'm through, somewhere he learned to lean on God. It barely is brought out in the Scripture, but somewhere, in spite of all the circumstances, he said, God, and I'll just bring it to today, he said, God, I'm still going to live for you. I'm still going to stay faithful. Praise God. I'm going to have a relationship with you. I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care what is happening. Amen to me. Amen. I've got to have you. Praise God. Anybody feel like that today? Why don't you tell the Lord? Maybe you're sitting right in the middle of some circumstances. Hallelujah. But let God know right now, God, these circumstances are not going to change my mind about you. Hallelujah. I still have faith in you. I have confidence in you. Amen. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but somehow, God, you're going to bring me out. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And, uh, but Jephthah could have gone a different path. Amen. Hallelujah. But let's read Judges 11 and 4 rapidly. Praise God. Hallelujah. 11 and 4. And it came to pass in process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tob. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that we may fight with the children of Ammon. Now let's backtrack and just uh, try to figure out how this all happened and what was going on, the reason this scripture is in the word of the Lord. If you go read the second chapter of Judges, You'll find out what was transpiring. Amen. Moses had died. And now, in the second chapter of Judges, Joseph, or, or Joshua, pardon me, Joshua has died. And God has not ordained a leader to take Joshua or Moses' place. And the people of Israel, and, and it's a sad state, but I see that happening in the generation that I'm witnessing today, 
Amen. It's a sad story, a sad epitaph in the book of Judges. The Bible said that every man just did what was right in his own eyes. Amen. And that's what happens when you don't have proper leadership. That's what happens when you don't have a representative of God. Amen. And I'm just going to bring it right where we live today. When you don't have a man of God that's got guts enough to stand in the pulpit and tell you this is something we don't fool with, we don't go here, we don't do that, we don't participate in that. Amen. Because what's happening is when you start doing what's right in your own eyes, you answer to the flesh instead of the spirit. Praise God. I, mean, I just want that to sink in. I told you last Sunday I'm at war. I'm going to be at war until the Lord calls me home. Hello, Sister Grant, you wasn't here. Amen. But uh, I, I'm, I'm at war. Amen. I've heard so many stories lately about where Pentecost is going, things that are happening. Amen. And uh, when I come out from under the <clears throat> influence of that surgery, Amen. And I began to realize that God had allowed me to stay here and me saying, God, take me home. I'm ready to go. Amen. This is my bus to heaven. I'm ready to go. My parents, not my parents, but my family was all praying, Lord, don't take him. And I was saying, God, I'm ready to go. Amen. This is it. I thank you, Lord. I'm on my way home. Praise God. But when I come out from under the influence of all of that and begin to realize I was here, amen, I just made a vow to God. Amen. I said, God, amen, I remember what Jude said. He said when he sat down, he meant the right of the common salvation. Hallelujah. He said, I couldn't do it. But he said, I have to tell you, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And if there ever is a time that Huey Royer feels the need to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints, that word contend, I told you last Sunday, it means fight. Amen. I'm in war tonight. Hallelujah. And I'm not ashamed of it. Amen. I thank God for what I have received. I thank God for my heritage. Amen. And by my help, amen, I'm going to try to keep some churches. I don't, I don't have the ability, but everywhere I go, amen, and Baytown's one of them, amen, I feel the anointing now. Hallelujah. Baytown, amen, we're at war. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid to fight. And I just happen to know your pastor well enough. I've, I've been around him quite a bit in my 25, 30 years of knowing him, amen. If, if <laughs> I don't have to tell you this, but they probably another, not another more straightforward fellow than Kenneth Grant. Praise God. He'll tell you just like it is to your face. Praise God. And I admire that in him because we are at war. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, <laughs> let me get back to this lesson. Amen. Hallelujah. In Judges chapter 2, Moses is dead. Joshua was dead. And Israel goes through seven times of major backsliding in the book of Judges. Amen. Seven times they go into total apostate. They serve false gods. They build altars to false gods. They sacrifice to false gods. Seven times. And yet there was something in the people of Israel that God had made a promise to Abraham. And Sister Grant, it's beautiful to me that even in their apostate state, God said, I still love them. Praise God. And as a result of that, when Israel would get in trouble, 
and their enemies would overcome them or come at war against them, somehow Israel would say, hey, wait, we've messed up. Amen. And they would begin to make some effort to repent and turn their heart back to God. And instead of God giving them another leader like Moses or Joshua, amen, he would raise up somebody and at times even women to deliver them. Praise God. And I don't have time to get into Deborah and all of those. I'm talking about Jephthah this morning. But I want you to realize, even God loved them enough that when they, when they made a turn and tried to repent, God said, okay, I'm going to send somebody. Amen. In one case, it was just a strong man, Samson. And I don't have time to talk about him today. Amen. But I just want you to see what was happening in the book of Judges. They'd backslide, and they'd repent, and they'd backslide, and they'd repent. And when they would repent, God would reach out and get a hold of a, almost a nameless individual and bring them to the forefront to deliver Israel once again. Praise God. Oh, what a God we serve. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands and thank him for being so kind and merciful, long-suffering to us. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 And so it was, Israel's backslid. They're serving other gods. Hand up. They suddenly look around, and they don't even have a captain that's got enough guts to lead them. Hallelujah. And it's kind of amazing to me. The elders of Israel got together, and they said, "What?" and, and I'm just paraphrasing, but they said, what in the world are we going to do, guys? Amen. And this is where you have to read between the lines. But somebody in that group of elders that day knew Jephthah. And Brother Grant, most of the commentaries feel like some of his brothers might have even been in that crowd. Now, we don't know that for sure, but, but it's possible. But whether it was or not, somebody said, you know, I know it's eating crow, but we need Jephthah's help. Now, they was probably saying, oh, no, not Jephthah, amen. But the more they talked, and, and, and instead of sending, and I got to hurry, but instead of sending a servant or a messenger, they said, hey, this is a bad enough situation. Let's go ourselves. It's in the Word of God. You can read it in the book of Judges. They, they all went, amen. Now, let's, let's put ourselves in Jephthah's place. He's been ostracized. His family disowned him. He's been criticized. Amen. He has had circumstances that uh, justified how he might have felt. <laughs> I mean, I I'm laughing for him. <laughs> You're coming to see me? And it was there just a little bit, Sister Grant, because when they, they told him what he wanted, he said, what do you want with me? They said, well, uh, the Ammonites are... They're gathering their army together, and they're, they're trying to overtake us. And let me quickly just say, I don't have time to even get into all of that. The Ammonites, amen, were uh, 300 years prior to that, and you'll find Jephthah even says that when he's talking to them later, amen. But 300 years prior to that, the Amorites had took over the land of the Ammonites, amen. And for 300 years, they hadn't owned their land. But then when Israel was delivered out of Egypt, 
they overtook the Amorites that was in the land of the Ammonites. And now, after a little period of time, the Ammonites got a little jealous and said, hey, that's our land. We want it back. And they decided we couldn't whip the Amorites, but we can whip the, Am the, the Israelites. Amen. And so they, they, they declare war on Israel. Hallelujah. And so now these elders are here at Jephthah's place in Tob, and they're saying, we need you to come because we know you're a mighty man of valor, and we need you to come and fight these Ammonites and, and, and help us overtake them. They're trying to take this land back away from us. Amen. And Jephthah was a human being. He was just a red-blooded man. He, uh, he said, well, what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing here? You, you ran me away. You didn't want nothing to do with me. Amen. And they humbled down and said, but we've we got to have help. And this is where, this is where I, I have to read between the lines, and yet there's a little statement that <clears throat> Jephthah made that lets me know he had some kind of a relationship with God, and he hadn't forgotten his roots, as it were, Amen. And maybe had maintained it in his life. We don't know. It's one of those details we just have to guess about. But he looked at them and he said, all right, if I come, if I consent to come and be your captain and lead you into war, now catch this, and the Lord delivers the Ammonites, Ammonites into my hands, then what? Amen. Can you catch that? Amen. He, he didn't say, if I go win the war. He said, if the Lord delivers the Ammonites into my hand, then what? Hallelujah. You're going to send me back to Tob? But those elders realizing the spot they was in, amen. And, 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 and you have to just see the hand of God in all of this, but... Uh, they, they said, no, said, you know, if you come and you deliver us from the Ammonites, you're going you're gonna to stay our captain. Amen. We'll, we'll let you lead us. You can come back home. Amen. Not only can you come home, but you can be our leader. You can be our captain. You can be our judge. That's what the Bible called him, and he only judged six years. Hallelujah. And uh, so the story goes real quickly. Amen. If I can get done in about three minutes. But uh, what I want you to see is the beauty of this. Let's ask ourselves the question, how did, how did God look at this situation? Well, number one, I think because Jephthah had enough sense to know that if there's any deliverance, it was going to be God, not him. Amen. And for six years, he continued to rule and reign as a judge and somewhat a king, I guess, in some ways, but the Bible calls him a judge. Amen. And they looked to him as their authority and their spiritual leader and their earthly leader. Amen. And uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to me that the Lord did deliver the Ammonites into his hands. And then, of course, that's where the vow come in, you know, when he come home after the battle. And, again, that's not my point here today. That's another lesson. Amen. But Regardless of how he answered the vow and how he fulfilled it, amen, something in Jephthah's life, in the middle of all of those adverse and negative circumstances, something caught the eye of God, hallelujah, and gave him 
the victory. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand today, and that will help me realize i got to hurry up. Praise God. What kind of circumstances are you finding yourself in here today? Amen. One of my daily prayers is God deliver us from this compromising generation. Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't let it rub off on us. Amen. Deuteronomy 6 and 21, let's read it. Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence. He brought us out from those circumstances. Amen. And I come to tell somebody today, if God is working on bringing you out, it's not just to get you out of it. Hallelujah. Listen at it. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. You've heard messages on that line. Amen. That he might bring us in to give us the land which he swear unto our fathers. When God brings us out of the world, amen, it don't stop there. Hallelujah. Amen. He wants to bring us all the way into the kingdom of promise. And I'm here to tell somebody today, and I really feel it now. I, I know I'm on target. Amen. Somebody today, you feel unworthy because of the circumstances that surround your life and your history. You feel unworthy to be used of God. Hallelujah. I don't know if you're feeling that, but I'm feeling the Holy Ghost just settling down right now. Praise God. I, I've, I've done messed up too many times. I've done made too many mistakes. Amen. And, uh, but when God brings you out, amen, he's not just bringing you out. He's bringing you out to take you into something. Praise God. Oh, my, I'm, Brother Grant, I'm feeling this right now. Praise God. Somebody let that settle into your heart and life right now. Amen. God, hallelujah, is bringing you out. He's already started working, amen, in your favor. Hallelujah. But remember this, he ain't just going to bring you out. Amen. But he's got something in mind for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. New Testament backs it up, 1 Peter 2 and 9, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Amen. We hear that quoted many, many times. I quote it myself. That you should show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. When God calls us out, amen, he's got something in mind for us. Praise God. Not just to sit on a pew. Amen. But we can become a part of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And last but not least, amen. What did God really think about Jephthah? That unheralded character that just suddenly appears in the book of Judges. And, and uh, we don't even really know a whole lot about him. But let me show you in closing what God thought about him. Hebrews 11 and 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon 
and of Barak and of Samson, and here it is, and of Jephthah, hallelujah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. It blesses me to know that sandwiched in between the strongest man in the world and the man after God's own heart is that unknown man by the name of Jephthah and the heroes of faith. Lift your hands and love the Lord today. Don't let your circumstances destroy your faith in God's deliverance for you. God bless you this morning.